Welcome to a bonus episode of the Oregon Transition Podcast. If you haven't turned into a bonus episode before, it's basically like the sprinkles on top of our regular episode. It makes it a little bit better. Today's bonus episode is a follow-up to our Season 3, Episode 1 podcast where we discuss mental health. In today's episode, we'll be speaking with a vocational rehabilitation counselor who supports individuals that experience mental health barriers when searching for employment. As we said many times before, Oregon is an employment-first state, which means that anyone who wants to work in a job that they are qualified for can with the right supports. This, of course, includes individuals that experience mental health barriers. But before we get started, we'd like to introduce Mandy Younger, the newest member of the TTAN who is joining us via Zoom. Mandy, introduce yourself and tell us what you do. My name is Mandy Younger. I am the new Pre-Employment Transition Services Coordinator, or the Pre-ETS Coordinator for Regions 4 and 5. That's Curry, Coos, Douglas, Klamath, Jackson, Josephine counties. I'm very, very excited to be joining you today. And we're so excited to have you today. So Mandy, how's it going? Well, it's going really, really well. It's amazing, actually. It's kind of amazing to be transitioning into this new job. This is a brand new field for me. I come from the world of theater, which is ironically actually very, very similar to a lot of things that we do with vocational rehabilitation. We are so excited to have you as part of this fabulous team, and you are a great addition. You mentioned that your background's in theater, and you said that it's kind of similar to what you're doing now in certain ways. Can you expand upon that a little bit more? Absolutely. First off, I come from the background of technical theater. So I was what we affectionately refer to as a production stage manager at OSF. So my job was to make sure that a production happened exactly the way the director had hoped it would on opening night. So that every actor has the right lines, has the right props, the lights are happening, the sound is happening, and it's putting all those magical pieces together. And that's where I see vocational rehabilitation very similar in that it's putting all these beautiful things, moments together to create the perfect scenario. So you put all the pieces in place and you're able to serve a priets and help somebody uplift themselves and keep going into a job. So to have that same similar path feels really, really comforting. Then, you know, theater is a whole it is, we're storytellers. That's what we did. That's what I did as I told and uplifted stories and to go to someone's personal story feels really, really natural. You're just listening to somebody's story and helping them get all those little spokes in the wheel to make it go forward. And that is exactly what today's episode is about. In this case, the actor is an individual who wants to work. And we are going to have a conversation with a vocational rehabilitation counselor, the quote, producer, who is going to be able to talk about how she puts all the spokes in the wheel that allows the actors to tell their story and become successfully employed. Yeah, so my name is Chelsea Miller and I work at Eugene Vocational Rehabilitation as a counselor. I interviewed Chelsea to find out how she supports individuals that experience mental health barriers. Well, I'm I'm interested to hear what she says. It's my understanding that with vocational rehabilitation, when you apply, everyone really goes through the same steps as far as assessments, as far as eligibility, as far as starting the creation of the individualized plan for employment. How does having a mental health issue affect that process? Here's Chelsea to answer that question. 
So for instance, with this population, say they didn't have an established mental health provider or prescriber or whatever the case, then we would identify that as kind of a, a gap. And so we'll help them bridge that gap. So being new to VR, it's really exciting to hear how a VR counselor can really hone in on an individual's needs and create this incredible plan. I'm so trained to look for the big picture issues that looking at the little details that someone needs in something. I mean, how how does she go about that? How does this really work, Josh? Great question, Mandy. Let's hear from Chelsea about how job development can be personalized for individuals that experience mental health barriers. The job developer can actually sit in with them during an interview, which is kind of a neat support. For most of us, you know, interviews can be a little intimidating and nerve-wracking. And if it's a young person and it's their first interview, or if they may be experiencing paranoia or whatever the case, having that trusted person with them in the room to help redirect to ensure that they answer the questions fully and appropriately is, is super beneficial to a lot of folks. As Mandy pointed out earlier, focusing on those minute needs that clients have are really an important part of the VR process. And you can see that 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 level of support extends into the partnerships that VR has as they provide services for clients. Chelsea was just talking about the support that is involved with job development, and that can extend even further. After a client gets a job, VR continues to have supportive partners with job coaches. To explain job coaching, so essentially that same provider or someone that they work closely with can then support the person actually at the job or the work site. And so again, that's based on the client's comfort level. Also, if the employer is okay with having a job coach on site, most employers typically are. But of course, you know, the client may be concerned about being discriminated because they have a support person. So just having these these, these conversations with clients on kind of what the pros and cons are to have a job coach on site is super helpful. Some folks who maybe have a mental health disability in addition to an intellectual disability or whatever the case, they may need more direct one-on-one support to complete the tasks of their job and also to communicate effectively with their coworkers, their supervisors, things like that. And so in some cases, it makes sense to have a job coach on the work site. Essentially, they're The job coach isn't there to help the person do their job, just to kind of be there in the background to assist as needed, to make sure that they're given instructions in a way that makes sense to them. Job coaching is a new term to me. I'm really excited to hear more about it. Is there a model that everyone sort of fits in? Let's hear from Chelsea about how job coaching services can be individualized. Sometimes job coaching can be offered off-site, and so what that entails is, you know, having regular phone or video check-ins or pre-COVID in-person check-ins just to kind of, okay, go over how their work shift was, did they have any concerns, anything that they needed support with, and then the job coach can kind of walk them through how to how to handle that. Sometimes off-site coaching might entail first having a meeting with the client and the employer and the job coach, just so the employer is aware that a job coach is a support person. And so I've seen this come into play for folks 
more so specifically with mental health uh, diagnoses who, you know, they, they don't necessarily want someone on site with them because of, you know, the attention it could draw or whatever the case, but they do want to have the employer aware that that support person is, is available. That sets the client up to have a safety net in place. Say, you know, the person is working and they think they're doing a great job. However, their supervisor has made comments of behavior, maybe interpersonal conflicts, or just areas of concern that they have noted. And they've tried to address with the client and the client quite isn't getting that or, um, you know, they're not correcting their behavior how the employer wants them to. And so the employer can then reach out to the job coach, and then the job coach can relay that information in a way, you know, that makes sense for them, um, given their rapport and, and how long they've been working with one another. And When I think about job coaching, I always think of a job coach being on-site with an individual. I never really thought about off-site job coaching. That's right, Josh. Job coaching can actually take a lot of different forms depending on the client's needs. As Chelsea pointed out, sometimes it's easier to have a job coach that's off-site just checking in and helping you be the communicator for that employer. And sometimes it needs to be more hands-on. Once again, the most important thing about being a job coach is really establishing that level of trust with a client. I completely agree, Nicole. Building a relationship and earning the individual's trust would really be important to ensure success on the job. When this happens, the individual has a job coach that they will feel comfortable with when things start to come up on the job. Mandy, are there parallels to this in the theater world? Oh, trust is everything. If if you don't trust someone, then how can you tell a, sto- tell a story on stage if you don't trust someone? I mean, it's also as basic as if you don't trust someone, how are you going to be sure that they're not going to stab you in that sword fight? You want to have that eye contact. You want to have that trust with one another. Trust is the heart of the story. And trust is also the heart of VR and supportive services. It's VR's and supportive services' responsibility to make sure that they've cultivated and established these really good connected relationships that are sustaining with their clients. A tricky part about that is that I know that VR services are limited, which means that eventually once a client is put into place and they're sustaining their employment, they are going to have to back off. So what happens then? Let's have Chelsea talk about long-term supports. If we recognize that the person will likely need that continued support, then when we're developing the employment plan, that's when we recognize that gap in services. And so we assist the person in applying to supported mental health programs. And so the one locally in town is Laurel Hill Center. Once they're connected, say, to Laurel Hill Center, they have access to supported employment. So that's when we would establish rapport with their Laurel Hill provider so we could transfer our job coaching over to their job coach funding. They also have supported education. So if some folks want to, um, you know, get their GED, if they want to go to college, whatever the case, that person can help them navigate the process, apply for FAFSA, all of that good stuff. And it's, it's really awesome support. 
kind of like with county and brokerage services for individuals with intellectual and developmental disabilities, this is a long-term provider for folks with severe and persistent mental, mental health disabilities. So you might not live in Eugene, and so you might hear Laurel Hill and be like, well, that's not applicable to me. But really, mental health services are available all over the state. And one way to get connected with them when you are in the process of looking for work is to connect with your VR counselor about that. You really need to talk about any barrier that you might have to your vocational rehabilitation counselor so that they can find the best supports for you. We know that working has many benefits. Let's talk about the benefits for a person who experiences a mental health barrier. Working, it gives routine, it gives structure, it gives productivity. It helps people stay kind of on top of managing their mental health symptoms. So Mandy, Chelsea just talked about the benefits of working. You work with actors at the Oregon Shakespeare Festivals. Actors and other people that work in theater are often in between productions and they might experience times when they are not working. What are the benefits of working when you were employed in the theater world? Well, you know, theater is a job of passion and heart, and we long to tell the story. Every person that works on stage or behind the stage wants to help tell a story. That is our passion. We want to work. We want to figure it out. So when you suddenly don't have that because of you don't have a job, because you haven't got a next gig, because of COVID, suddenly everything changes and you're lost. You're lost for the ability to feel useful, the ability to do what you love. And I found that when I lost my job because of COVID, I was lost for what to do next, how to make sense of the world because what I knew was working. So to take the need and put it into a new realm is really, really exciting and really, really passionate. And it has fueled myself. I know I have so many friends and artists that are looking for all these new things to feed their soul because ultimately that's what work does for us is it feeds our soul. And I believe it's the same for everyone. When someone goes to work, they feel productive. They feel part of a community. They have a network of support at their job and they receive a paycheck. All of this makes people feel good and valued. I love the analogy of telling your story. We all need to remember that everyone, regardless of barrier, has a story to tell. And it's our job to encourage them to tell their story and pursue their employment goals. Well, and also when you have that moment to tell that story, your soul sings. Your soul uplifts to what you're supposed to be doing. And you, I know I personally always feel heard. I feel valued and I see the people around me and I feel that same way. So working is really, really important for all of us. Let's hear how Chelsea helped an individual feel valued, feel heard, and feel supported as they made their journey towards work. This person experiences schizophrenia as their their primary disability. And so I really had to adopt my language and ensure that I was meeting the person where they were at, at all times, kind of having to revisit things and just re-explain it in different ways since there was learning disabilities too involved. But I think the biggest lesson for me was 
not really a lesson, but this was just kind of an example of how you have to adapt your counseling technique um, to ensure that the person is receptive and you're building rapport. We ended up working together quite well. We had identified clerical work as the employment goal for the plan. And with VR, once you're in plan, we like to stick with pursuing jobs just within that. In their case, they were interested in and kind of all different types of work, and we can be flexible with that as well. So they ended up getting a job actually in the fast food industry, which they had previously worked in and loved. And so ended up being a good fit for this person. And they were very reluctant to any job coaching supports at all. And they actually had no prior experience with it since they were kind of fresh into the labor um, industry. And again, that's where I kind of had to revisit how I explain services to ensure that they understood the benefit of it. And so what we agreed upon is for them to receive off-site job coaching, but with uh, initial meeting with the job coach, client, and employer involved. Again, we're building that safety net for the employer to reach out to the job coach if those concerns aren't actually um, being followed through on. So yeah, in their case, they have successfully been employed. They're still working due to COVID and they feel comfortable with it given you know all the precautions in place. I had referred them to Laurel Health Center for that supported employment piece while we were developing that plan for employment. Since I had noticed a gap, I was like, this person will likely benefit from long-term job coaching support, whether it just be offsite, that's fine. Just having someone to check in and help kind of navigate any issues. And so they had applied for Laurel Hill, got accepted. They didn't like their worker at the time. And so they just were like, I'm done. And there was, that's kind of where I had to meet the person where they're at, because I tried to you know, alleviate the situation, but at the end of the day, it's it's their choice. And so I respected that. We went with a different provider. They were working well with them. That's the, the job coach who assisted in helping the person keep the job and it's going well. But again, we're, we had to tie back to, okay, yes, you've been employed for 90 days, but we're still waiting on this referral because the person then agreed, okay, I'll reapply for Laurel Hill so I can get supported employment because I understand it's neat. it's going to help me in the long run. I think Chelsea's example shows the amazing rapport she was able to build with an individual. Chelsea was able to be flexible. The individual began VR services by pursuing clerical work and then changed to fast food. Chelsea was also flexible about job coaching. The individual did not want on-site job coaching. So Chelsea arranged a check-in with a job coach. And when they started working with Laurel Hill, they were able to change providers when needed. All that flexibility allowed the individual to become more successful. They found and sustained employment. I think my, my favorite thing about this episode is is really exploring the, the idea that just just because you have a mental health issue does not mean that you don't deserve to work, doesn't mean that you don't want to work, and doesn't mean that there aren't agencies out there that are able to provide you the support that you need when figuring out those paths on your journey. I love hearing this story just because just because we think we know the path we're on and we suddenly have to change and we suddenly have to pivot because of X, Y, and Z, the outcome is still the same. We still get to ultimately do something that matters to us and that's all that really matters in the end. 
fantastic. I can't think of a better way to end this episode. Mandy, thank you for for joining us on this path today. And thank you for singing your story as we navigated the ins and outs of supporting people that experience mental health issues. We really appreciate your your insight and your willingness to, to join our crazy crew during this time. Notice we didn't introduce you as friend of the pod. That's because you are the pod. Mandy, we would like to officially welcome you to the podcast team. We are looking forward to working with you as one of the producers of the Oregon Transition Podcast. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. As I said at the very beginning, this is what I was meant to do. If you are looking for more information on mental health resources, please check out our last episode, which was season three, episode one, or check out our Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter feed. That's right. We are on Twitter now. This is the beginning of season three of the Oregon Transition Podcast. We are very excited for what we have in store this season. We want to thank again, Mandy Younger and Chelsea Miller for being on the pod today. And I guess it's my turn this time, so peace out, pod people. And be well. I love the bird fight. That was great. I, I, it's I, from you know, watching someone get stabbed in the hand. <laughs> you, br- you bring in a bit of danger into the Oregon Transition Podcast. <laughs>